Hello and welcome to the Yoga Syndicate. Uh, this episode will be about the koshas. Ellen, what are the koshas? What are the koshas? The koshas are uh, the parts that uh, makes us up. So kosha can be translated like a, a sheet, a layer. So it's one way of uh, analyzing the person and, and see what we consist of. So in the uh, uh, yoga philosophy, uh, we uh, we say that we have uh, five layers. So uh, they are more or less physical. They go from the from the gross layer of the external body, the material body, the anamaya kosha, which actually means the food body. And then on the more subtle level, we have the energy body, the pranamaya kosha. And then we have the manumaya kosha, the mind body, the mind. Uh, and then we have the uh, uh, vijnana, uh, vijnanamaya kosha, which is the, the body of uh, uh, distinction um, and then we have the most subtle part of us is the ananda maya kosha so uh, we can like i said we can see these constituents as going from the very gross level to the finest level this is cool this is kind of like uh we're back at the onion thing right with the layers we have inside right back at the what onion onion layers and of an onion oh like an onion yeah we are like in uh, we are like an onion but we're also getting more and more subtle the onion stays the same all the way through but uh, but uh, uh, but we dissolve uh, into more and more subtle layers so there are many ways in in different philosophies to uh, analyze the person like this we also have in Buddhism, we talk about the five uh, aggregates. And so we also have the, the aggregate of uh, form, which is our physical body, our senses and the sense objects. We have the uh, sensation, like the, the, the um, uh, happy sensation, the positive sensation, the, the painful sensation and the neutral sensations. And we have uh, perception, we have uh, uh, the samskaras, the habitual tendencies, and uh, we have uh, um, consciousness. Mm. So uh, we, so there are different ways of, of analyzing what is a person, and this, of course, is used in the context of uh, of practice. So when we practice. Uh, you know, when we meditate or when we even when we do our asanas, uh, we're doing it for the sake of knowing all the layers of the body, getting to know them, and then we can dissolve. Then we can start to dissolve from the gross level to the finer level. I like that. It's like this mm -hmm. is this kosha thing. It seems to be, you know, there's there's lots of lists in yoga, you know, the four great truths in Buddha. Yeah, yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. And then you got the 196 sutras and the lists go mm -hmm. on. Not only the list, but the lists, mm -hmm. they go on. And what I like about this one is it's pretty much you are what you eat. You are what you think. Mm -hmm. You are what you materialize. You are how you bliss. I mean, if we if we go back down to this anamaya kosha uh, in being that it's kind of like this uh, mm. this food uh, sheath, this layer of just flesh, you know, uh, bones mm. and blood. I mean, that which you are consist of. Of course, if your anamaya kosha or this layer is 
is saturated with a lot of sugar and 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 lots of you know harmful abuse in how you eat uh, uh, it's hard then to have this materialize over and into the next sheath the next layer the next kosha that would give you a certain you know ability to discriminate uh, understanding and then ultimately to you know to, to to be more blissful um is this how it works you are what you are and if you are not careful in each <laughs> layer the other layer will be affected <laughs> uh i i i think you can look at it in different ways depending on on who you ask and at what time and what uh, philosophy so you know in the earlier uh, uh, approaches to to yoga, the the Patanjali yoga, and also in early Buddhism, there was a kind of a disregard for the physical body. It was just there, you know, and you did uh, kind of tapas and and practices just to just to overcome the physical body. It was really regarded just as a as what it is a a bag of slime and bones and feces and and dirty things. You know, the Indian culture, it's a culture of purity, traditionally. One, one pays a lot of respect to, to purity. And uh, also in the, in the Buddhist tradition, which of course originated in the same uh, uh, society as the Brahmanical uh, traditions, um, one didn't have much regard for the, for the body. Actually, you, you try to detach from the body. So in, within Buddhism, you would sit and you would meditate of the, on death and the decomposition of the body to, to get rid of your attachment to it. So you would see yourself as a rotting corpse if you felt attraction to, uh, uh, to another person, a beautiful man or a woman, you would visualize them, what was inside. If you, if you think of the, the skin separate or if a tooth would fall out or the, uh, you would find one of their hair in the soup, they would not be so um, delightful. So uh, there was a kind of more negative um, view of the body. But this changes somehow when we come to the, the Middle Ages and the emergence of the tantric practices, then we have a much more uh, uh, positive view of the body and we use the body for the for the practices. Mm. Um, but um, I've never seen that in the in the context of uh, of um, of yoga or Buddhism that you you pay a lot of it. Well, to a certain extent, you put uh, you put you uh, you pay some attention to to what you eat but uh, but um, so there are certain things that are that should be avoided like it, it says in the hatha yoga pradipika what kind of uh, things you should eat or what kind of things you should avoid but it's it's not that much attention that we put on it it's not not all like raw food and organic and stay pure and all that but of course cleanliness has um, has a certain value also in the context of yoga yeah mm, and then you know then that was a good answer in terms of you know bringing in a, us up and through the ages and how uh we perceive uh the body uh in terms of the the anamaya kosha if you're you know you move over and into the sheath of the pranamaya kosha um this is then the the breath body or the energetic field mm. um uh, how how can one uh, achieve a yeah maybe more if we're thinking back to what you're mentioning about India and and everything you know especially purification is highly regarded and highly practiced um, is is breath uh, and this pranamaya uh, kosha um, 
uh, of great uh, uh, use and focus when we're when we think of how to find more balance in the koshas. Mm. Well, you know, the energy body is uh, is very important in in terms of uh, our awareness. So it's just not the breath, but it's actually the the prana. We could say the the vital energy that follows the breath. So that is, uh, of course, that that's what makes the body alive. If if we don't have, if we wouldn't have the pranamaya kosha, we would just be dead bodies. So that's the difference between a corpse and a, a living body. Is of course that this uh, layer is uh, is functioning. And uh, we find that all over Asia, and you can find it especially in, in China and Chinese medicine, they have a very good theory of the energetic body. They have all the traditions of, of medicine, of Qigong, of how to, how to really cultivate this uh, uh, energy uh, body. And I'm sure there was an, an influence all over the Asian uh, uh, countries between this, uh, these traditions. You find similar approaches to to medicine and, and healing all over the place, uh, and of course it's all connected. That's kind of also the point of of this uh, map. Not that we can literally pick a person apart and find these layers, but we can experience them. We can use these um, uh, layers, uh, this concept of layers, as a map when we meditate. Mm. So that's why, you know, when we meditate, we pay a lot of attention to our seated position, our asana. So the theory goes like when you when you place your uh, body in alignment, then your nadis are straight. When the physical body is straight, the nadis are straight. And the nadis are the channels where the subtle energy, the prana flows. And when the, uh, when the nadis are straight, the prana flows well. And when the prana flows well, then your next layer is kind of in the, in alignment. Then the manumaya kosha is in alignment. So then you have less discursive thoughts. You have a more quiet mind. I'll, you know, I'm, I'm. And then again, sorry. Then you can say when you have a quiet mind, then you can, uh, then you can uh, discover the the vijanamaya kosha. Then you can distinguish, right? Mm. And from distinction, you can reach the the, the great bliss, the great uh, meditative absorption. So these are all uh, connected, of course. This reminds me of uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, uh, mm -hmm. the, the great pyramid of starting off with you know, yeah. if you don't have food and shelter, then you'll never you know move up the uh, the angle uh, of the pyramid. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I, this this kosher thing is really great in terms of you know not bringing too much too soon to a uh, to a, a, a new beginner in yoga that's looking for um, maybe or wanting to you know knock on the door of the other side or maybe what we would call the traditional real side of yoga and that is to to understand uh, so that you don't you know fumble over the the first great poison of the path um, ignorance and not wanting or mm -hmm. not understanding. Now, when you when you when you're sitting and you're you know you're going uh, in in this meditation and you're 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 looking for a certain position uh, in order to connect uh, maybe some of these seventy four thousand nadis you have, and you and you mentioned that when we're talking about the pranamaya kosha, we're not really just talking about breath. We're talking about the energy that follows mm -hmm. it. Um, when you're meditating, uh, does is it is it difficult to 
to focus in on, for example, or should one just absolutely not focus in on how the energy or how the breath gives energy or a certain light to 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 calming and and aligning the body uh, in a position is when should we consider mentally uh, what is going on when we're when we're breathing in terms of uh, refining this pranamaya kosha oh we we just have to breathe we just have to be mindful of the of the breath and the experience of the uh, pranamaya kosha will will come by itself mm. that, so uh, yeah that makes sense and uh it's just sometimes you know uh i know uh, because i'm not as learned as you are that sometimes when i'm when i'm put into a, a certain setting for example if you know when i was first meditating i remember one of my first sessions that i really got into was when when you were there with the the great dhammadipa uh, meditation uh, i don't know guru in europe one of uh was was sitting in in front of us and I remember just sort of not being able to totally let go. And I look over to you and I was just like, dang, uh, she's done this before. And I got, I got really sort of like uh, observant and mental. And, you know, and then I thought, okay, when I heard different instructions, they, beca they became instructions and I, I couldn't let go of it because uh, it was kind of like a learning by learning for me. It wasn't learning by doing. And when you say then that the energy will come as a result of just breathing, you know, I, I'm just I'm just mentioning that some people new to yoga, we can overthink things also when it comes mm -hmm. to trying to understand just the simplicity of layers. True? Yeah, we can't think the energy body. You know, this is experiential, and uh, the theory comes out of experience. It's not that that someone makes the theory first and and then they try to prove it. It's something that comes from from experience of people who've been there, done it, and then we can try to to follow the path as much as we can. And and if we're lucky, we have a good teacher who can instruct us. You know what? But I'm sorry. I'm sorry to I'm sorry to cut you off, but you just said yeah. something that I found after all of these podcasts with you that really, really, it hit home like a, like a lightning bolt. And you said it's not like the theory came first and someone just put it out there. Um, the experience came first and then people looked at it and, and then started uh, putting it together in terms of theory. And I think that's, that's such a good comment uh, for a lot of people that are, are tuning in. And that is that mm -hmm. uh, nothing is arbitrary when it's coming to this mm -hmm. these this great yoga f philosophies. True. Mm. Yeah, and that's why also you find you find different maps. You know, people have different experiences. So there's not like there's one chakra system. There's not like there's one nadi system. They are different. Some people would experience five chakras. Some would experience seven chakras. So you have different maps because they are based on, on people's experience. And uh, it, I think it's important when you are a beginner that you that you see this for, for what it is and you, you can't experience something. You can't experience for what most beginners when they try to sit. They are dealing with the difficulties of the physical body. You know, their knees are hurting, the back is hurting, the hips are hurting. So they get very preoccupied with the, with the physical body. And it doesn't help to try to strain your mind to get to a kind of vijnana, maya kosha, or try to have an intense or expect to have an intense uh, energetic experience of the body. 
that uh, I'm afraid it, it takes some time. It's true, and I, I, I've noticed when people come uh, for the first time, like you say, they're just trying to nestle into a sitting position. That the, I mean, mm -hmm. sitting on the floor, uh, you take it for granted when you you know you have a little more advanced classes that people not only can sit on the floor, but they can do different uh, asanas on the floor. But there are some mm -hmm. new beginners. They come in, and you're just you you see them squirming. It's almost like where's the chair? Uh, is there a chair in this studio? And uh, you're working on elevating them to at least be able to sustain the pain that they're in. So, you know, uh, that's why um, I, I like and I mention that, you know, the real yoga for me rests and manifests itself in, in these deeper tenets of this theory that's once been practiced and then presented and experienced. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And uh, I tell people that, you know, uh, first, you need to start off yoga. You have to. We do physical asanas only to be able to have a flying chance of being able to go further. Mm -hmm. uh, and the physical uh, asanas are not yoga in and of itself, but it's it's sort of turned that way, hasn't it? Mm, yeah, uh, I think it's uh, it's scary for people, you know, even to sit. If you tell them we're going to sit for ten minutes now. Or if you don't tell them how long we're going to sit, they're going to get frightened. Mm. Uh, and they're going to start shuffling around very quickly uh, because you focus, you, you, you have nothing to do. So you just start focusing on your, on your body and, and that's where your attention goes. And every like little pain and discomfort you feel will just get bigger and bigger. Mm. So but I have some experience with uh, with uh, at least attempting to teach a little bit of uh, of seated meditation i don't let people sit for a long time but if i don't keep their mind sort of or if i don't keep their attention uh, busy if i don't guide them in some way i will have a lot of shuffling around so the first thing i have to do is to try to just uh, direct them, direct their attention into the body, not to the worrying, but just into the body, just feeling what is there, feeling the weight of the body, feeling the weight of the legs, feeling the 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 rib cage balancing over the hips and the head on the top, and taking a little internal journey so that their uh, so that their um, attention stays focused and, and and they don't start to hurt everywhere and, and to move around. So that actually helps. Mm. Um, uh, because if you if you keep your attention on on something else than the than the pain, you can actually sit longer. Right. I, I, I've noticed that in your classes, you, you use words like solidity uh, when, mm -hmm. it, when it comes to, you know, the body and this, you don't just use words like center of gravity. Mm -hmm. So, um, and I, I agree with you, it's almost like a distracted person that doesn't have a lot of focus, that is, their body is, uh, it's, it's definitely not to its, you know, true capacity. And now with processed mm -hmm. food and and uh, way too much time in our hands and and new founded uh, stress uh, when it comes to you know just uh, a blinking phone in in the corner of your eye, um, you know people are distracted when they come in and obviously when in they're in a new uh, um, uh, situation of learning yoga for the first time and they uh, we're, we're dealing with the generation that is a little more. Yeah, overweight or, or over not overworked, but somehow mm -hmm. their their attention span um, 
is is lacking. You know where I'm going with this. My my point mm-hmm. my point being with this is that, you know, when you consider the the manamaya kosha, and uh, you're you're getting away and uh, from the physical part. I mean, can we even get to the uh, the emotional body and the intellectual uh, body? Um, uh, nowadays, do you think that you know back in the seventies it was much easier to glide through these layers uh, in order to uh, achieve some bliss without having to to, to light a joint uh, back mm-hmm. in the seventies? Uh, just purely based on the koshas, do you think? Do you think nowadays that um, that the koshas is quite a it's quite a simple map, but it's um, for some people it's like you know when you go on a, a walk with some people they they and you're going on that journey, um, you just have to put down the map because they can't even get out of the parking lot, right? Mm. Yeah, I think for I think for uh, for most people, it's it's quite difficult uh, these days. I mean, we are more distracted, I think, from all the input we have uh, all the time. But you know, one good remedy is al- is always exhaustion. And a lot of people do that, you know, people, uh, I, I notice also it becomes more and more trendy to do very hard physical exercise. It's not uh, something very, um, you don't just run, but you run like intervals or you run uphills or you do something like that. And I think a lot of people find this satisfaction in in exhaustion. And uh, when you exhaust the physical body, I mean, this is used all over the place. This is this is also used in in uh, in, in yoga and tantra for sure that you exhaust the body to a to a certain extent, and and then you have less like um, uh, uh, mental resistance and you have less uh, distraction. So then you can then you can sit uh, quite quite easily. Yeah, I saw. I heard a podcast <laughs> yesterday from from. Uh, Vijaya uh, in uh, the Yoga Gurukula in Pandeshwa. And one of the things he said that is his go-to meditative or his go-to process during the day is he says, I just do. I don't think. I just do. And, Mm -hmm. and, you know, I know what I need to do, so I just do it. If I start contemplating, uh, you know, that I'm going to wake up at 4.30 and go down, uh, mm. And when no one is sitting there and I am conducting a ceremony at the temple as a priest in my local village, if I start thinking too much about how that can be irritating, it will no doubt become irritating. But I just do. And mm. uh, I think there's a lot of uh, uh, there's a lot of. Um, yeah, there's a lot of wisdom uh, and a lot of good experiential and not mm. experimental, but experiential uh uh, kosha delivery uh, by just mm-hmm. doing correct mm-hmm. absolutely we can always find excuses you know and we always will find excuses for not doing something so uh, with yoga and meditation we kind of just have to set the clock and and follow our, our schedule so we have to be our own uh, uh, we have to make this um, discipline like uh, like they say in, in Tibetan Buddhism they they call it uh, armor like discipline like you just set up an armor around you because otherwise your mind will just defeat you you know it will you will just make up all kinds of uh, excuses not to do things 
That's uh, that's maybe a very good key in relationships, wouldn't you think? That you know, when you when you start thinking, what is my partner doing or not doing for me? You might just think, okay, I'm just going to go wash some towels and start folding them. And I'm just going to mm. go get that vacuum cleaner, or I might just go for a walk. But no matter what you're doing, you're doing something versus sitting and waiting, contemplating, and creating a certain uh, truth that is. Is uh, it might be uh, a fleeting or a factual truth, but nonetheless, it's uh, it's not giving you very much versus the doing. Correct? Absolutely, I'm all for doing. We should even do things like date night once a week and just follow it because we never know what's going to happen if mm. we just do things. We think we know, right? We might wake up and think, "Oh, this is a terrible day. I feel so heavy. I ate too much yesterday. I don't want to do yoga." And then you do it anyway, and after 15 minutes, you just feel completely different. Mm. Or if you sit down and you meditate and you just do it on the clock and you have lots of resistance and lots of thoughts and so be it, you know, just accept it. That's also part of the path. And that's what we, we don't recognize, that all these like ups and downs are also part of the path. And the more we can just accept them, the more stable we can become. Right. Uh, I'm totally and it's kind of obvious the way things work it's just like back to the principle people know what they need to do it's just so hard for us to do what we know what we mm. need to do um, mm. but um, we almost resist or create a, a landscape of uh, I'm not going to do that versus just you know um, keep it simple stupid be quiet move on do it and then mm. once again back to the concept that you just mentioned um, these these people didn't put the theory out there first. They didn't. You don't put the thought out there first. You go and do it. You experiment. Uh, I mean, experience it. And and like you said, you know, um, you you don't necessarily exhaust yourself. But there is a certain exhausting away or burning away the seriousness of something that is way too uh, premeditative. Go and do something, then the burn, the edges will will wear off. Then you maybe can look at the situation and what you were construing a, a little more uh, uh, clearly. I think that's a nice uh, podcast in the future. You know, construing ver versus doing. Um, and then if 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 I can uh, just bring us through this podcast uh, uh, into the intellectual uh, body or this layer. Uh, or sheath, and we're in the Vignayamaya Kosha. What? What is? Wh wh why? Why moving away from the Manomaya? It's not like you're moving away, but how do we then become more intellectual? Um, by I thought I thought you know for me this one could have been skipped. You could have just gone straight from this emotional, mindful uh, Kosha, and then you know just moved right on into bliss. Or is it important to practice and saturate ourselves with a little more? discrepancy and uh and discriminating i think it would be wonderful if we could skip right into the bliss body wouldn't it but uh, our hardest obstacle is the is the mind isn't it the mind is always there it makes all these concepts it's good for orienting orienting ourselves in the in the world and it's good for planning the the future and taking precautions but our mind is always overworking is always doing too much, you know? So uh, it's producing rather than seeing what is there. It's constantly producing thoughts, categorizing, etc., etc., rather than just observing and understanding on a deep level what is going on. Uh, 
That, that's so, in, I, that's also a one, uh, something that I found very brilliant that you're saying. Uh, we've I've never read it or heard it in that context. You're saying that the mind is, it's just producing, and mm-hmm. you know I I think I've of course I've touched on that. You know when I talk about the chitta vritti nirodha, you know that the mind has mm-hmm. got these waves, but. You know, I never looked at it in terms of the word as like a production. And, you know, because most people, they, they're fooled by, they, they think that what they think is what they think, and therefore it is true, um, mm-hmm. because this is what I'm thinking. And then then they say words like, well, this is what I'm feeling. And um, if we could uh, understand more that this this production isn't necessary an end result, it's not the product, it's not the end product. Their mm-hmm. uh, production, when you make cheese, you know, or whatever you're producing down the factory lines, there is a lot of uh, extras that need to be stripped mm. stripped off and put into mm-hmm. uh, different categories. And there are certain, you know, products that you, you know, you just take out because you can't sell that. That's not, uh, it wouldn't be approved by the FDA or by the, mm-hmm. the, 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 the another uh, um, uh, body that would approve of, of these thoughts and, and what we're, mm-hmm. we're construing. So then mm-hmm. you're saying once, once, just like back to the concept that you didn't create the theory, but you experienced it, do you have to experience the thought in the Manomaya Kosha and then get to a certain point um, where you can then move over to this intellectual discrepancy? Or does it sometimes, help me, Ellen, do you have to go back to the <laughs> Kosha, like while you're thinking the thought, do you have to move back to eating something properly in the Anamaya Kosha? Maybe not eat, maybe breathe a little more, and then take those few thoughts that have been produced and, and, and you know, decipher which one I'm going to go with. I mean, do, do coaches work like um, um, in linear fashion or, or can we bounce back? Uh, uh, you know, I'm helping the listener who's just separating mm-hmm. everything in their lives. Uh, or mm-hmm. is there no separation? This whole thing is one process. No, I think we we separate first to understand. That mm-hmm. analysis is to separate things, yeah. And then, of course, in the in the end, it, they might all flow together into one big one taste. But in order to learn and to understand, we it's good to to separate. So to understand the mind, the manomaya kosha, we have to be aware that we have thoughts, that we are not our thoughts, because that's the mistake we do all the time. Yeah, We identify with the thoughts, I am this, I am that, this is me. And so we, we, we have to actually recognize that we're doing that, what the mind is doing. And interestingly enough, in the eastern um, philosophy or in the in the yoga philosophy we think of the mind as uh, as one of the of the sense organs it's like just the the nose smells the the tongue taste and the eyes see and the mind thinks the mind produces thoughts mm-hmm. and uh, uh, we know that uh, we when we have a great insight when we really truly understand something which which happens from time to time we make a aha you know yeah exactly uh, something becomes clear it's not in it and it doesn't happen in the moment we sit down and we think hard about things mm. it happens in the moments where we actually let go of the manumaya kosha when we let go mm. and then we can then we get insight 
Right. We can't see that. We can't see for all the thoughts. We can't see the forest for all the trees. We can't get insight for all the thoughts that are in our way. I like that. So uh, when we come to this Vijnana Maya, we we can distinguish. Mm. We can see through beyond and behind all the all the thoughts and concepts that we continuously produce. I like that you said that one time. Uh, we have a, a good friend and and Aina. Uh, my partner, she mentioned uh, one time that um, uh, in giving advice to this particular individual that was struggling with all of these thoughts, all of these, you know, feelings. And she said, you know what, all of these thoughts and feelings uh, are like all the trees in the forest. You know what, when you walk through the forest, you can't, you can't take the trees with you. Just mm. walk through the forest and look at those thoughts. Try not to mm. take them all with you. And when you come out on the other end, maybe you'll be blessed with a little sunlight, and then you'll be able to decide which one of those trees you want to go back and cut. And I thought that was a very good uh, analogy uh, coming from her in terms of you know, how to distinguish and create a, a better, not a, not a cleaner battleground, but a a more of a more of a sound uh, space in in being able to distinguish these thoughts. Do you think when you're you know real quick going back to the Anamaya Kosha, if you eat sattvic food, if you are a vegan, do you think mm. the, the 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 calm and the the good hearted nature of a good diet is definitely going to make the kosha layer experience uh, a more uh, smooth ride? I'm not. I'm not sure. I never honestly tried to uh, to go on like a super pure uh, uh, diet, but uh, I suspect that uh, it has to do with mindfulness. Mm. That if you're a pure sattvic eater or a, a vegan eater, you just pay a lot more um, attention to what you put in your mouth. You know. So I think it has to do with with that as well. I think it has to do with being mindful. Mm. And I think that has a profound effect on the on your whole on the whole system. Yeah, and just just equally so, not only what you put in your mouth, but what you put in your ears, or what you what comes out of your mouth. I mean, how much do you want to attach or let this or that attach to, you know, the 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 comprised uh, whole you? And um, mm. moving on to the bliss, I mean, how, why is it uh, in the uh, Ananda Maya Kosha, this, this beautiful, uh, blissful state, um, w why is that so important uh, that we need to, you know, in yoga we talk about you don't uh, want to put too much emphasis on anything. Uh, and then, you know, but are we putting too much emphasis on moving towards bliss? Uh, I don't think we put enough uh, uh, um, <laughs> effort or intention in moving towards bliss, because here we are talking about the the unconditioned happiness, you know, the happiness that doesn't come from like sense satisfaction or any kind of mm. the ordinary gratification that we associate with uh, happiness. Here we're talking about an inner bliss, Good. an inner calmness inside beyond everything we know mm. and that's what we that's what we really want that's what we're running around uh, for and, and chase all the time that's what we, that's what we really want in life this is considered the highest good but uh, we have no idea we have no clue how to get it so we we stuff our faces and we stuff our senses with all kind of other things all the time mm. 
it's uh it's like processed food is just like uh pro- mm. processed uh uh you know, days uh, where you're just filling it with lots of additives that uh, are mm-hmm. are not really giving uh, you uh, an ability to understand that bliss, like you say, is not just uh, happiness uh, in in and of itself. Because I think people get the two confused, just like they get the mind mm-hmm. and intellect confused. They confuse mm-hmm. bliss versus happiness. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I think we'll wrap up the the, the koshas now. Uh, do you have any last thoughts on the on the koshas, Ellen? Uh, last thoughts on the koshas? No, but I think they are a, a really good uh, map to see ourselves that we are not only one thing; that we are, in fact, all these layers. And you can you can use any map that you that you want, but. Uh, uh, the the path uh, the path goes from the from the gross to the subtle and on our way we we try to dissolve uh, as we go along you know we can we can dissolve the the physical body into the elements like we have the solidity we have the earth elements and we have the the water elements we have the fire we have the heat we have the space we have the wind element so it's all a, a dissolution too. To feel less um, unchanging and heavy and, and settled in in one shape and form and way of thought, so I think these maps are are really wonderful actually, and the methods are are wonderful, and it, it's it's such a liberating thought to to know that we can we can change nothing. It's like uh, carved in stone here, and and not the least we and unless we we stay stagnant. Mm. Yeah, well, there you, there you go. Uh, in wrapping up this beautiful uh, podcast, uh, I'd like to just uh, sum up that uh, in order to, you know, become more uh, subtle, you have to be less settled and you need to <laughs> do things uh, and not just construe things in order to then dissolve enough that you then will evolve in a, another light and fashion. Uh, Ellen, this uh, was a wonderful talk once again, and uh, it's nice when you were on the other side of the country that we could do this. And uh, I just want to thank you for your wonderful insight, uh, as always, because you've taught us how to look in and distinguish once again our thoughts. And uh, I would just like to remind everyone that this episode was about the koshas. This is the Yoga Syndicate.